Are you ready for this? Welcome to Principles with Corey and Logan. I'm Corey. I'm Logan. And we are here to go on the journey of life and leadership growth with you. Welcome to the Principles Podcast. And Logan, I am excited to share with you guys today. This is going to be a different, different teaching today, but I'm super excited about uh, sharing this lesson with you guys today. Uh, my friend, her name is Ruthie Young, is actually going to come on. She did a recording for our Bible study, uh, men's uh, Tuesday morning Bible study on covenant, and she goes into great depth. And it's just a beautiful teaching on uh, covenant and what covenant is, the relationships that we have with the creator of the universe. So she's going to share. It's about a 39-minute teaching, and um, I, I, I want to bless you with this. She's given permission. She's also written a book called Covenant Keeper, and I'm going to put that link to buy that book in the show notes if you guys are interested in that. She's going into great depth um, to study covenant, and she shares a, a just a, a scratches the surface in this podcast today, so really excited for you guys to hear this. Um, real quick, before we jump into her teaching today, I want to make sure to mention that if you are a leader, if you are a kingdom-minded leader, an entrepreneur, business owner, if you are a leader of people, you want to make sure to put September the 21st through 23rd down on your calendar. We are going to be doing a Legacy Builders Executive Retreat intentionally for kingdom-minded business owners, leaders, entrepreneurs. It's an opportunity for you to get in an environment conducive to growth, to be around other like-minded leaders, to create connection, but also be an opportunity for um, refreshing, restoring. We'll we'll have some kingdom-minded leadership principle teachings. And uh, anyway, we'd love for you to join us in that. I'll put that link in the show notes as well. But I hope this blesses you, um, and I know it will. So here's Ruthie Young teaching on covenant. Hello, I'm Ruthie Young, and uh, I'm going to share a little bit about covenant. I'm just going to scratch the surface of it. Covenant's a mighty deep word. Uh, <clears throat> the Torah that the uh, Jewish people received on Mount Sinai when they came through the Red Sea, when God set them apart, when he defeated the Egyptian gods, All of that is covenant, and Torah is the document of covenant. I'm going to talk about um, Jewish wedding. You're all familiar with weddings, and uh, a lot of our own customs come from covenant because covenant is until death do you part, and God literally means death do you part. So... When you look at covenant, think of wedding. God constantly said to the Israelites, he said, I want to marry you. I am married to you. I am in covenant with you. What you have is mine and what I have is yours. You know, the in our own courts, we have, um, you know, property that belongs to both of us in a divorce God doesn't divorce but all that he brought to the table at covenant belonged to the Israelites which was 
all of his assets, his power, his authority, his angelic army, all the cattle on a thousand hills, all the gold and silver, the world belong to the bridegroom of Israel. And when he was uh, sent Torah down from Mount Sinai, that was the document of covenant. You have a marriage license that is legal. Torah was a legal document stating all that was involved in covenant. God made covenant with the earth, with us, before the foundation of the world. Jesus crucified from the foundation of the world. At that point, because covenant involves bloodshed, covenant involves till death do you part, God saw ahead of time that we could not do it. We would have to die because we could not stand in that covenant place with him because we were unholy. So God, before he even spoke light into the earth, he made covenant with the earth. Then he chose Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Then he chose the 12 tribes of Israel. We know they went into Egypt, so they multiplied for 400 years. And at that point, Moses was called to call the people of Israel to come into covenant with the king of the universe. What a bridegroom. So when we speak of covenant in the context of marriage, it is because God speaks in that context. He constantly says to the Israelites, remember covenant. I have married you. We have the book of Hosea to see what God as bridegroom would be. He continued to buy her back. He continued to set her free, even though her heart was wandering, even though she was adulterous, just like the nation of Israel, just like us, when we are not obedient to the call of Jesus in our hearts, We're adulterous, but God continually said to Hosea, go buy her back, go buy her back, not just go get her, go pay the price and get her back because there's a price, a sacrifice and covenant. So that's kind of laying the foundation. This is going to be very quick because covenant is what we walk in. Covenant, the Greek word is testament. Old Testament, New Testament, but the Hebrew word is Old Covenant, New Covenant. But God said, the day that the sun does not shine, the day that the moon falls from the sky, that's the day I will not keep covenant. I will keep covenant until the end. And he would keep covenant with his children, but we saw in Israel they couldn't keep it. So he had came, he's outside of time, but he came in time to sacrifice in the earth. He, his side, it's like a bridegroom comes and makes his wedding vows, but the bride couldn't keep it. She couldn't come and stand in that holy place. So in time, 
God made a way. So it's not only the old covenant, but Jesus made a way for nations to come in. Jesus made a way for the Jewish people to come in and be able to keep covenant because two people walk down the aisle in a wedding. God walked down that aisle with Abraham and Jesus in our stead walked down a blood path up to the altar of covenant. So what I want you to see is your Bible is your covenant document. Those documents were legal in a Jewish wedding. Uh, the husband had to write down all of his assets at the wedding that it was approved by his father. They signed that document and it belonged solely to the wife. It was legal. All of his assets belonged to her. She kept that in a special place. It was called a ketubah. And she kept it. And should there be a problem, she had a legal document to hold him to all those assets were hers. Now, God gave us a legal document and it was Torah. So I'm gonna talk about the steps of, of uh, covenant. And then my prayer is that as you read the Old Testament, as you read Torah, as you read the songs, as you read the poetry, and then as you look at those prophets, you will see constantly they were calling Israel back to covenants. So all of it is covenant. Then Jesus came and cut covenant with us. So I'm just going to briefly go over the parts of covenant so that you might get an idea of uh, what was involved and who God is. Because remember, he cut covenant with us. Um, there is another part called the kinsman redeemer, who that's who Jesus was. Um, I'm not going to go into that, but you can read that in my book if you want to, or read it somewhere else. I really strongly and admonish you to read about the kinsman redeemer. It's laid out in Leviticus. The kinsman redeemer promised the bride, and he goes over these in uh, Passover every year. I will bring you out. I will save you from enslavement. I will deliver you. I will take vengeance on your enemies, and I will marry you. A kinsman redeemer, that's who Jesus was. We had messed up. We couldn't do it. And God sent his son as the redeemer to come and marry us again. Covenant. It's about marriage. It is about eternity. It is <clears throat> what we walk in as believers in Yeshua. His name means salvation is in the house. He comes into this house and he marries us. So quickly, this is, I've made two other videos and they're all over an hour long. So I'm hoping this one's going to be fast and I'm going to, uh, I hope I've laid enough foundation. The first part 
of a covenant was called the preamble. And by the way, there was always two scribes there um, in the Torah. It says by the word of two witnesses. So when you come to covenant, you have two scribes and they write every word. <clears throat> then they compare those words and come to a place of the document of covenant that is legal. It stands up in the courts of heaven and it stands up in the courts of earth. It is a legal document. So every word spoken at a covenant ceremony is legal and it ends in the document written out. Think of your wedding vows till death do us part. When people write their own vows, it's a beautiful thing, but what they don't realize is everything that they say at an altar, when you are making covenant, God is the witness and he writes those things down. And so when you don't keep them, you're not keeping covenant with your wife or your husband as it is. As I said, God wanted to marry the nation of Israel. He wants to marry us. It's an invitation to an amazing life, but we couldn't do it, and Jesus made a way. So the first part was to call the parties and identify who was coming and who their gods were. Now, when God came to Abraham, he said it took 13 years before uh, Abraham would be willing to get in, be in covenant with God. Uh, the Hittites, there was covenant in the earth. People, they were tribal and there were covenants between tribes, covenants between kings, covenants between people. They understood covenant. Jonathan and David made covenant till death do us part. And generations, we know Mephibosheth, uh, David reached out to Jonathan's son or grandson because of covenant. And uh, so the first step is to call the parties. Who's coming to this covenant? With Abraham, it was God and Abraham. Let's put God over here and Abraham here. What gods are going to witness? They were very spiritual people and they had gods, Baal, Shemos, all those gods. And when these tribal leaders came together, they would call on their gods to witness it because they knew it was spiritual. But God said, I am the Lord your God. You will have no other gods before me. Abraham had to choose to lay down his gods and choose one God one God. He came from a polytheistic background. He was used to different gods, but God said to Abraham, I will be your God. You will have no other. Sound familiar? The Ten Commandments. So as the two came together, the scribes recorded no other God except Jehovah, Yeshua at that point. Um, so they identified Abraham, God. They were identifying a uh, when God made covenant with Israel, it was Israel and Jehovah God, the two parties and only one God witnessed it, and that was Jehovah. The second part was to describe the relationships between the parties involved. Any limitations, what, who will be what? In the case of two kings, re the relationship would be if you go to war, I go to war. If you are famine, I will bring food. If you need me in any capacity, I will do that. And at that point, 
in the ceremony, if there were two kings, uh, just like Jonathan and David, they exchanged coats, they exchanged belts, they exchanged shoes, they exchanged weapons, saying, I will go to war with you. My coat is everything I own is yours. The belt is your strength. Whatever strength I have and you need it is there. Your shoes, wherever you walk, is yours on my property. It's no longer my property. It is yours. So when kings, tribal leaders came together as one in covenant, they didn't lose their identity. But <clears throat> everything that I have is yours, Jonathan and David. Jonathan wore a shepherd's coat and David wore a prince coat. You see the exchange. Now with God and Abraham, the responsibilities, what is God going to give to Abraham and what is Abraham going to give to God? Pretty one-sided when you say. So God said, Abraham, everything I have is yours. I have the cattle on a thousand hills. I own the universe. I have a, an amazing company of angels, the host of heaven. I will supply your needs. I will make you a wealthy man. Uh, it will be generations and you will have a generational covenant. Now, Abraham had had Ishmael by this time. Ishmael was a son of blessing, but he was not a son of covenant. So the blessings and curses, you can look in Deuteronomy 28 and you can see the blessings and curses of being in covenant with God whenever he married Israel. They're written down in the covenant document of Torah. Um, the blessings for Abraham was obviously wealth. Uh, tribe. He became a very wealthy man because of God's covenant with Abraham when he meant it everything I have is yours Abraham when he went to war God won the war for him because God was in covenant with Abraham they became family they changed their names God became known as the God of Abraham and then Isaac and Jacob Ab Abram changed his name to Abraham ha is Yah ha it's um, het in the, in the uh, Hebrew alphabet, which is an amazing study in itself. And het means wind. And it's the ruah wind of the Holy Spirit. So that Abraham became Abraham. Sarah became Sarah. With the breath sound of God, God gave his name to Abraham. You exchange names at your wedding altar. But in the New Testament, we became known as Christ followers, Christians. We were called Christians. We took his name, Christ. So that um, that's the blessings and the curses. Well, how is this covenant going to be passed on? Is it just God and Abraham? Is it just God and the Israelites? How did Moses pass it on to the next generation? Because it's a generational covenant. It was eternal. It was to last forever. So you need a way to pass this on. And you need a sign in the earth of covenant. When two kings came together, they came to the altar. They had sacrificed animals, one on each side. You remember that with Abraham and 
the dead animals on either side, they walked down the aisle. It was called the blood path. And Jesus walked that blood path for us. When you walk down the center aisle at your wedding, you've got family on one side and her family on the other side. You are walking between sacrifice. These people have sacrificed for you to come to that altar. Abraham sacrificed the animals. God knew Abraham couldn't walk that blood path. It would be death to him. He put his hand over Abraham and God walked that blood path because he knew in the fullness of time, you know, God's outside of time, but in the fullness of time, his son, his kinsman redeemer, who was coming to redeem and save and avenge her enemies would walk that blood path for Abraham, for the nation of Israel, and for all whosoever would come. And we come into that covenant with Jesus because he walked the blood path for us, and he sacrificed his pure holy blood on that altar. When kings came together to, to have covenant, they came to this altar. They had each of them had um, a sacrificed animal on the altar. They built the fire. You know, God was very specific about fire. It was only his fire on that altar. So these kings, only their fire could be on the altar. Their servant couldn't light it. Had to be the kings. They put their sacrifice on that altar. And it began to cook. They took blood from those sacrifices. They, well, actually, they brought wine from their homes. They brought a feast on either side. They brought their animals so that this king's animals were on one side, this king's animals were on the other dead. And then they put their animals on the altar. And they would take a piece of that sacrificed animal and they would say to one another, this is my body. When you eat this body, you become part of me. And the other did the same and they ate the sacrifice. God told them in Egypt, eat the lamb, eat the lamb. So when they ate that lamb, they became covenanted to the king of kings, even in Egypt. So these kings would take that, and Jesus even said it at Passover, because it's celebrating covenant, uh, take this bread and eat it. This is my body. That is covenant language. When you do this, you become part of me, and I become part of you. We're in covenant. They brought their wine, their best wine, and they had one cup and they poured their wine into that cup and they said, this is my blood. Some even say there was always a cut of covenant. Covenant, the word means to cut. God cut the Red Sea in two. Jesus was cut and bled and died. At this covenant ceremony, they cut their hands and dripped the blood into that wine. And they held it up with one hand and said, this is my blood. When you drink this blood, you become part of me. My blood is establishing this covenant. 
Jesus said it at Passover when he said, this is my blood of the new covenant. Not getting, a, throwing out the old, but bringing the old into the new and cutting a new covenant because we couldn't keep the old. So he brought forth a new covenant at Passover. They cut their hands, they would put ashes in that scar and each of the kings bore a scar on their hand. So when they looked at their hand, they could remember, I'm in covenant with him. I'm in covenant with him. Hmm. When I go to war and I ride out to meet my enemy, I hold up my hand and I say, I am in covenant with this king over here. And the enemy knows if I fight you, I have to fight him. Jesus said in Isaiah, I'm going to carve you on the palm of my hand. Covenant, covenant at the altar, carving your name on his hand with a 10 inch spike. Your name is right there. And so that when you come up against your enemy, the hand of the Lord comes forth and he shows your hand. And immediately your enemy will flee because he knows I can take her, but I can't take him. He has, he is the commander of the host of heaven, the heavenly army. And the enemy knows he's outnumbered two to one because a third of the angels fell. But guess what? There's two thirds left and God could have created more. You never have to be concerned about a battle because your name is on the palm of his hand in covenant and he is bound by his very life to come to your aid when you're in covenant with a king. Um, how is this going to be passed on? Abraham didn't cut his hand. God passed through the blood path with fire. And he burned up. He consumed. He consumed Abraham's offering. God had that. So that he was saying to Abraham, you and I are one now. I have consumed your flesh. And now you and I are one. He changed his name. And he said, now, Abraham, in covenant, you have to make an oath, a seven. The word seven means oath of covenant. All the sevens in the Bible reflect the oath of covenant. Seven is a precious number. And in a wedding ceremony with the Jews, the wife walks around her husband seven times. When the people went into the land, they sevened the city of Jericho when they walked around it seven days. And then on the seventh day, they walked around it seven times, which in heaven's perspective and in their heart, because they understood covenant, that we are sanctifying and setting aside this city for the Lord as an oath to keep their covenant 
with the Almighty. Seventh day, set aside. In the tabernacle, seven articles, seven uh, furniture pieces, the seventh, the Holy of Holies, the mercy seat. Set apart and sanctified. Priests could only go in once a year, and it was on Yom Kippur, the day of judgment. When you look at the feast, when you look at anything with seven in the, in the word, you will see covenant. It is, and the seventh is always holy. First fruits, holy. When you look at the feast, when you got married, you set aside that day as your anniversary. God's calendar, let me see if I've still got it here. God's calendar is a circle. I had it the other day. And uh, I don't have it. I'm going to pause. Well, couldn't find my Jewish calendar. I had it. Our calendars are in a straight line. If you want to know where you're going to be, um, you can look on your calendar in daytime or and see God's calendar is so differently. And it's in a circle, everything in Hebrew is backwards to us. That's because we don't think like Hebrews. We think like Greeks. Ours is a straight linear thought. But God's calendar is in a circle. And if you go in a circle and you get a bump here, you're going to have an opportunity to circle back around and come up over that bump and go higher and higher and higher. And God created his calendar for us to remember and to celebrate our anniversary with him. I think that's what I was talking about because uh, I stopped to look for the calendar. I'll send one to Corey. So God wanted us, he wanted Israel to celebrate their anniversary of being married. So in his calendar, he created uh, the feast and it goes in a circle. It's a constant circle from one to the other. And it's a constant opportunity for do overs. And so at Passover, you sacrifice the cutting of the covenant. And at Shavuot, Pentecost, you celebrate the giving of the covenant document, which was Torah, not just Ten Commandments, but Torah, which is the first five books of the Old Covenant. That was their document. And where did they keep it? In a special place, uh, in the Ark of the Covenant under the mercy seat. Interesting that the law was under the mercy seat so that there was mercy covering the law. And then <clears throat> the last three feasts are uh, Teruah, which is the Feast of Trumpets where you spend 10 days looking at yourself, examining yourself, preparing for the day of judgment, which was Yom Kippur. They sacrificed, and that's when the priest went back into the mercy, in, behind the veil to the mercy seat and poured the blood of the lamb on that mercy seat. And then after that, five days later, they had Feast of Tabernacles for seven days, eight if you're outside of Jerusalem, and for 
seven days, they celebrated a feast. Did you celebrate a feast after your wedding? Yes, you did. It's called the reception where you eat a piece of cake and they feed each other cake covenant. They drink the wine or punch or whatever you've got covenant. What's mine is yours. Yours is mine. We become one flesh and one blood. And Jesus did that at the Passover, but God and Abraham did it. And also uh, God, Jehovah, and the people of Israel celebrated a feast. They had to prepare and then come to the feast. God loves a good party. He loves to eat and drink with his kids. Anytime we break bread with someone, it changes your relationship. So God says to you, come on seventh day, come and, and share a meal with me. And remember, all through the word, he says, remember, remember the seventh day, remember the feast. Remember the tabernacle and the seven parts of the tabernacle. It all reflects the wedding ceremony of covenant with the God of the universe, with a people in the earth. When we couldn't keep it, his son came and kept it for us. And we step into the sacrifice of Jesus and we are in covenant then with Jehovah, the king of the universe. How was Abraham going to pass this on? Circumcision. With God, everything's a circle. His calendar's a circle. You go in a circle with the feast. You go in a circle with the days. It's a lunar calendar. With uh, They celebrated the first fruits of the lunar month. That's called Rosh Kadesh. And then the uh, year was called Rosh Hashanah, which is the head of the year. It's in the fall. It's the fall feast. God said, appear before me three times. We're going to have a feast. We're going to have a party. And we're going to celebrate covenant. That's what the feasts are about. It's to remember it's a wedding anniversary. And he says, let's do it three times a year because you come up and then you go back down because you come up to Jerusalem. You go back down and you live your everyday life, but you need another time to come up, don't you? Come up and let's remember again. Let's have a feast and let's, let's renew. And then you come down again and walk in the regular world and then come up again. Come up on Passover, come up on Shabbat, come up on uh, fall feast. So, but with Abraham, he said, I want a cut in the earth. And that cut's going to be circumcision, a circle. Again, a circle, complete. Abraham, I want you to cir circumcise yourself. That is a sacrifice for a man, and I certainly understand that. But what God was saying was this, it's generational. It's to your children. So that every seed that passed through Abraham after that went through the cut of covenant. That is why circumcision is so important to the Jewish people. It's a reminder on the eighth day, by the way, eight is new beginning. It's a new beginning. And so on the eighth day, 
The baby boy's vitamin K is high so that he won't bleed much. And then on the eighth day, a new beginning, a new covenant. That baby boy is cutting covenant with the God of the universe. And thereafter, every baby that this little boy has will go through the cut of covenant. Covenant. It is the means by which God took care of an, a solution. We didn't have a solution in the earth. Adam and Eve sinned, they fell, creation died. What were we going to do? Because God's heart wanted family, He wanted a bride. He wanted his family in the earth and he wants to be with his family eternally. That was why he created us. That's our identity, the family of God, the bride of Christ. Those words have such different meaning to me now. There was no way to buy back his family, but he made a way. Covenant. The blood sacrifice of Jesus before the foundation of the earth. And then in time, his kinsman redeemer son would come to redeem the earth that had died. We had no hope. But in time, Jesus walked the blood path of covenant. He said to us, eat my flesh, drink my blood. Come into covenant with me. Come and be my bride. Then he carved you on the palm of his hand. And he says, everything I have is yours. And everything you have is mine. I'm going to give you beauty for ashes. I'm going to give you all of joy for mourning. And a garment of praise. I'm going to take my clothes off. They stripped him. Why? Because you were stripped. You had nothing to offer. You had a coat of mourning and death on you. But Jesus exchanged in covenant the robe of righteousness, the robe of joy, but he says to you, when you come to the table, this is my body. What are you bringing? It's exchange. Remember Jonathan and David exchange coats, belts, shoes, all of it. So God says, bring your dirty sin, bring your dirty clothes, bring all your sorrows, bring all your wounds, bring everything you have and exchange it. Because not only do I want to clothe you in righteousness, I want to take away your filthy rags and I will wear them. And he did that on the cross so that we step into the fullness of covenant. The sign in the earth in the Old Testament, when they were in covenant, they wore tallit and they were circumcised. The sign for us is that we have Jesus in our heart. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit. And we are called 
Christians because we're in covenant with our Christ. I bless you. I hope this is short enough. And I hope you just get an idea a little bit about covenant. And by the way, after every covenant ceremony, the seventh part of the ceremony, it's got seven parts, the preamble, the prologue, the responsibilities, the blessings and curses, the arrangement on how it's going to be passed on, the cutting of flesh, and after that, a party, a feast. So we call them the feast to celebrate. God loves to celebrate with his people. And so after the covenant ceremony of the cutting of the flesh, they had a feast and they celebrated. So I bless you today with covenant. I pray that you will begin to see it in a new light. See the word in a new light. It's covenant. It's all covenant. Begin to look in the Old Testament prophets and see how many times God said, I keep covenant, I keep covenant, I keep covenant, even at the cost of my own life, I keep covenant, and I will marry you, and I will marry you, I will marry you. It's beautiful, and Jesus came to marry the widow of creation, to avenge our enemies, to set us free from the slavery of sin and to bring us into our full inheritance. Those are the four I wills of Passover when he made his wedding vow to his bride and then he cut covenant with her. Bless you. Bye-bye. Wow, what an incredible, incredible teaching by Ruthie. Man, that was so good. Talking about covenant, that Bible. Scripture is a covenant document, and I love what she said is in a covenant where you write down all the assets and the bride had legal right to all the assets of the bridegroom. Think about that. Who we have covenant with. We are in covenant with the creator God, the creator of all things, the creator of the universe. We are in covenant with him. That's just incredible. I hope today has blessed you. I really do. Uh, make sure to check out Ruthie's book. We'll have the link in the show notes. It's called Covenant Keeper. She also has a, another book that's really, really good. Uh, but we want to say thank you, Ruthie, for taking the time to add value. I know that this added value to you. And if it has, make sure to comment, make a comment. Um, and I'll share that with Ruthie. But I hope today has blessed you. I hope you guys have a great day and God bless. Thanks so much for spending your time with us today. As you go about your day, remember to ask yourself as a parent, child, sibling, business owner, customer, boss, teammate, would you recommend yourself, audit yourself, and change your life? Hey guys, and if you enjoyed this podcast, uh, take a moment, please subscribe, give us a rate and review on your listening platform. And hey, we value your feedback and it helps others find us. Are you ready for this?